Hi, this is Natalie Lander, voice of Kinsey, Tara Branford, Stargirl, and many others. You are listening to a W2Mnet podcast. You can visit w2mnet.com for other podcasts about entertainment, video games, sports, and wrestling. Here we go. U.S. Men's National Team reaction. And of course, some of the CONCAP stuff as well for soccer to the max here. And of course, I'm your host, Sean Garber, and with me here, Eric Watkins. It's late, but we can still celebrate on this one. U.S. win 2-1. I mean, celebrate is kind of a loose term for this one, but I'll take it. It's still I'll a take win. It. It's, it's still a win. Uh, you know, you, you can't make much, you know, you can't make like little of getting wins in World Cup qualifying. It's not something oh, yeah. that's just given away. As uh, you know, Panama themselves. Well, we'll talk about that, and um, you know, in a little bit when we get to you know going around Concacaf, what happened to them. But let's look at you know headlines for ESPN's national team winning two one against Costa Rica. Uh, for me, it's uh, perseverance, right? Like you go down super early doors, one nil on a Zach Steffen. He they uh Greg Berhalter gives him the start in this game after he hasn't played any of the other World Cup qualifiers over Matt Turner. You could make the case that Matt Turner plays a lot for his club and then to go on and play for the US Men's National as well. Constantly that tires you out. Whatever you want to say, you also you know what you get with Zach Steffen, right? And this is part of it is sweeper keeper, you know, the manual Neuer kind of thing of He's going to come out and do crazy stuff like head the ball 30 yards away from his goal. And then he got back, but he's the one that causes the entire thing to happen. Yeah, I think looking at that, I was like, wait a minute. What is Zach Steffen doing? That's a mistake. Everybody's right there. Then you had the whole sort of controversy, Serginho Dest, which looking at the replay, the refs did get that call right. Not too many others, but they got that one right. And playing everybody on side and then the kick yeah, in. Yeah, because he goes all the way out of bounds so that for he is then basically another goalkeeper at that point, keeping anybody that's there on side. And then also technically, even though he's sort of interfering, the the Costa Rica player that's in front of the goal doesn't touch the ball. Mm-hmm. So you could also make a point that he's technically not involved in the play so right you know whatever you want to call that either obstruction or whatever he's not involved in the play so technically he's not offside but we'll see if this rule gets changed because of after the what happened in the nation's league final and how people are playing you know clamoring for that to be changed to where you know that deflection thing uh doesn't play someone onside because it is technically unfair to the defender right i mean like how are you supposed to know where you are right then when you're going to go after the ball, uh, whatever. But either way, a senior dust is to be blamed for that. It's also Zach Steffen to blame for that. Um, you know, it's, that ha- this stuff happens, but you weren't expecting it considering Costa Rica, but they get that goal early. And to credit to the U.S. team, they come back and they start pressing and they start pressing hard and you start seeing them play um, much more offensively getting in the box, mm-hmm. Weston McKinney getting involved there, Eunice Musa, uh, who had another tremendous game of being involved everywhere, whether it was defensively or offensively getting in the box, making the pass, Eric. I mean, 
he is uh, important in that that the first goal, but it's really started all the way at the back by Zach Steffen, and then you get all the passes that go forward, and finally Shinya Dest uh, gets that last one from Musa, who then he knocks that banger in. And who would have oh, thought that... Dest knocking that banger in there? That was tremendous. As much as I had my head in my hands after the Costa Rica goal, after I saw that total golazo from Dest, I was like, oh, finally. First first half goal in the octag. First first half goal in nine matches. Yeah. For all the talk we've had all this time about Dest going forward, making sure, making everything that counts as his signature, pays off by finding the back of the net. Everything was just justified. And I could breathe again. Yeah, it was. Uh, so it was like, man, are we gonna have this nervy thing of Costa Rica is gonna find a way to stay and not be able to keep it going? And then finally, you know, Des scores and you level it. You saw the emotion. He goes over to the bench. Everybody goes crazy there. And I mean, credit to him because he was active throughout most of that. He was going forward. Him and both Anthony Robinson were fantastic at that. Anthony Robinson has a few. Uh, passes that really, if they would have gone his way more, that maybe you were talking about some more goals. But you know, this is the reason why the second goal happens. He makes that pass in it to Tim Weah, which obviously gets help from the backup goalkeeper in Moreya mm-hmm. there uh, to have it go in on his near post. You wouldn't have to wonder if Kaylor Navas was there, who apparently picked up a knock at around uh, halftime, and so they just subbed him out at that point. Kind of uh, unlucky there if you're Costa Rica, but that kind of happens. And they had the rest of that time period to try to get back. And they had a great opportunity with a Miles Robbins mistake, but it had to be like a 37-year-old guy, Brian <laughs> Reese, that had to pick up the ball. And I, I'm sure, you know, you, you think about um, like when something seems too big, like in the movies where it's like they made, they like zoom this out. I wonder if Brian Reese, you probably had that moment of like, oh my God, am I going to be able to make it? Am I going to like no, run out of no. gas halfway? Not me. <laughs> Not now. No. Like the worst possible guy. I mean, it's, it's, it's you know, it sucks because it's like a legend for Costa Rica, yeah. right? Like, and it's the one guy you don't want getting the breakaway because poor dude can't go no more like that you know and even and, the announcer said it was just like man you know when he was younger hey you're gonna pull that off yeah now it's like oh no he, he too slow so, credit to Miles Robinson. he he went for it anyway and got the ball back but god could you have imagined if he would have actually been able to i mean that that's just a sign of uh, costa rica in general like they had some opportunities off uh, corners and they, they had the one that Stefan, Stefan had to stop. But for the most part, it w- it was more about them kind of sitting flat and not really having much of a, I would say, answer what the U.S. was doing. Um, they had the one, I forgot who shot it, it was, uh, Aronson or that they had to save off the line early as well. Um, just, I thought it was a, just very good awareness by the U.S. team between, Aronson, between uh, Wea, Desk, Robinson, Musa, even McKinney at times, even though I didn't think he had the best game, like going and, and going after uh, the older Costa Rica team. And that's one thing, and I'm especially glad that you brought up Wea again, because 
We talked about Yunus Musa making those bruising runs, bringing defenders in. With that, only kind of building chemistry with Dest, making his own overlapping runs along the wing, and then the one-two with Wega, who's making those runs to overlap him, getting those key passes, and it's like, all right, we talk about all this time how teams are playing against us, and we finally see that and bringing the teams that level of their own medicine, bringing it around like edge of the 18 and not relying on having a deep centering passes, but much shorter, get other guys coming in and running behind, setting everything up. And once we started playing with that more of a flow, I also felt a lot better and knew that we were going to get a winner in some sort. That's the kind of stuff that we should be seeing more out of this U.S. team. Yeah, definitely. We, we should be seeing it more. I think we will see it more. Uh, but for the most part, I, I just, uh, I like the fact that I think you got a little bit of a, a grace there from Ariola picking up the knock before the game and letting Wea kind of be able to start and, and be involved there. But I think what, what helped the most is you have, again, that constant of Tyler Adams being there and being able to just kind of let everybody else do their thing. And that's super important for that team. I mean, you eventually need to find somebody that can kind of do what he does because he can't play every game. But Adams is just super, super. If there's anybody that when you make a team sheet, the first guy that should be on there always is Tyler Adams. Oh, yeah. I completely agree. And that's someone who you would love to have as part of your core. Now, granted, I don't know at what point or something to have as another kind of version of him as you said i like to think that there's something like that on the pipeline but for at least for right now well the same likes of when you're talking about pulisic and rain and what have you getting that as a very good spine then sorting everything as you get farther and farther out that's a great sign that's what big time teams do yeah for sure and what i liked uh is that there was at least a Berhalter uh, made the changes that I kind of wanted to see. You know, you got the guys that haven't been able to play for the re- you know the rest of qualifying, and Matthew Hoppy got a turn. Gianluca Busio, I thought, had some decent moments. Uh, him getting to come in, and you know that was that's nice uh, for them to to get that time. You know, of course, Justin Sardes getting to play in his home stadium. Uh, you know, at at that point, I think Pepe hadn't really been able to. Like he was, he was making some good runs and he was getting, he, he made some good movements and getting and made some plays, uh, on the ball. But once again, he kind of didn't really have this, uh, big, you know, big, big, heavy moment for him there. Uh, he had some times where maybe he could have gotten the ball in space and could have been able to like actually turn one in, but it, it didn't work out for him. And you didn't really necessarily need it when you have such attacking play happening with the backs coming up and the wingers coming in. What you want them to do there. Very impressive from the U.S. team on that front. Oh, yeah. And one thing that I noticed, especially deeper and deeper in the first half, we adapted well and had that wing play. And part of the reason why Pepe was shut down, it was sort of an atypical back five going into that defensive third from Costa Rica. It was like your normal back 
but your two defensive midfield is sitting almost directly in front, forming like a defensive W, sort of a yeah. squiggle. Yeah, and we couldn't necessarily find a ways to break through centrally through that squiggle. So having our backs coming up and going wide was a big help. And I think if other teams try that sort of maneuver, not sure if they will, that's okay. something that we can work on. Get uh, Pepe lost, better uh, positioning in those Lost moments. Eric there, it looks like. But yeah, as I was saying, getting Pepe better position in those sort of situations, granted, they may not come up often, but that's something to really learn from and build on if he's going to be one of the main two guys up front. Well, yeah, like I was saying, in those situations, if he's going to be one of the main two up top, get a little bit better positioning or maybe get someone more of a Musa or Musa combined with McKinney, both kind of making those runs, bring those DMs up. That way you can curl some passes in between as you get closer to the 18-yard box. For the most part, Swift, uh, switching back to like the defensive line, um, I mean, it's just a different dynamic when you have both Dest and Robinson back there. It, it's a totally different U.S. team. I mean, obviously, Dest was able to do what he does, right? He goes forward. He still showed some of that liability defensively. I uh, got caught a few times. Obviously, his a little bit of his fault on the goal there. Um, but I was glad to see kind of Greg Rehalter, kind of Maybe this is what his role is going to be. Like, you bring him on to give you that energy, to give you things going on. And then once you, if you have a lead or if you no longer need him, you take him off so that you can put somebody that you trust a little bit more defensively in that spot, or you switch things around at that point, you still need a goal to where he can just go forward and not necessarily have to track back so much. Um, or you're going to have to have Tyler Adams cover him every time he goes. Uh, one of the one of the three things. But um, I liked Richards being there with uh, Robinson. Obviously, some of that pairing shows naivete of not knowing each other, right? That part of that is the reason why Robinson had the error is because we step in and uh, get the ball there. But that comes with time. I think it showed a lot of guts for him. To, it's his first game, and he makes that sliding tackle that, yeah, Costa Rica didn't really have a penalty shot because he does such a good job of making that challenge and making a clean challenge to where you're not calling uh, a penalty on that for Costa Rica there. So good on him for that. I mean, yeah, he had some moments where – he looked shaky, but I think for the most part, he looked fine. I still think that from what we've seen in this lineup, I think you kind of have your back four set. It's just, it's decent to, it's, it's nice to be able to give uh, some of these guys a run and that's good. And we'll talk about our, our starting 11s for uh, the Mexico game a little bit later. But yeah, for the most part, you had a lot of good performances here. Not a lot of so-so. Like I thought McKinney, once again, tried to do a lot, and a lot of it didn't pay off. Um, I think he needs to kind of find himself and what his role is, and Berhalter also needs to figure that out. I don't know what if you saw that, Eric. Like I just thought Musa was really good in doing what he does and, and being a force attacking-wise and then kind of doing what he needs to do in the midfield, and we know what Tyler does. But McKinney still feels like, he tries to go and make the big play and then it doesn't work out or, and sometimes he will make that combination play that you want to see. Uh, but it seems very few and far between. I mean, in his case, it's almost like 
he wants to be something of more of a box to box. So that way yeah. he has more opportunities of making those big plays, but he doesn't have everything to where you can do that equally defensively and offensively. So I'd honestly like to see him pick. Does he want to hold, stay more back, make the bigger plays in defense, and then maybe start a chain pass or two? Or does he want to go farther forward? And then it's like, all right, once he receives the ball, then go up in his offensive half and then keep working it that way from there, more being part of an attacking phase, trying to chain together. And I'm hopefully he figures out a way to which one he'll pick. I think I think he'll figure that out eventually. It's just also, you know, a lot of this team is still kind of at an influx of you know, who's going to wind up starting, anything else. So, you know, a lot of that is still decisions that you have to make in halter Because this team does look different when you have everybody available. And what are you going to do with all that, right? Of Man, you played all these games without Pulisic, without uh, Giorena and everybody else. I mean, how are you going to get all of these players in now? It's impossible, right? You got to figure out who's going to do what. but it's still at least mostly positive from that front. It's just Weston McKinney, perhaps, if maybe he doesn't need to be on the left, maybe on the right, I don't know. They've tried him in so many different ways. He, I still think you haven't necessarily figured out his best uh, spot yet, if you're a great pro host, as far as uh, that goes. For me, I think what also really hurts Costa Rica here, and I get it, you're kind of limited to what you have, but Honestly, when your subs that you have coming on are Alvaro Saborio, who is 39 years old. Almost 40. Yeah, he's like your blast bet is. Like, he's the guy that, you know, you're counting on. Like, and you're bringing on Christian Bolaños, who's also 37. Like, Christian Bolaños used to be... One heck of a guy you could put up there with Salvadio, and that was a tandem. And, oh, man, you're going to need to fear them, right? But it's like, right now, it's like, oh, my God, are we kidding? And then and Kendall Watts, Watson, too. And it's like, wow, we're just going to put on all the old dudes right now. It's like, I'm almost man, surprised Paolo Wanchope didn't make an appearance. Right? That was what's left. We didn't put Cesar Paolo Wanchope up there. And it's like, that's it. Let's do that for Costa Rica. Like, I get it, right? I mean, not everybody can create young players in the same way, whatever. And you're also, if you're, uh, you know, that the coach, you're kind of like, well, this is their last opportunity, so uh, let's go for that. But it's like, if you know that they're perhaps not going to be anybody, you at least for Saudio, and perhaps, you know, maybe Brian Reeves, you have to bring him along to, to kind of have that veteran experience or whatever. but. Some of these guys, like, you know that they're not going to be around for the long haul if you make it to the World Cup. I mean, why? I, I don't know. I get Joe Campbell wasn't in this game. That's a huge loss, right? That it's an absolutely huge loss for Costa Rica. But I felt like that was really a, a theme of the game. It's like the youth against the absolute, like, really super veteran team. And that really hurt them in a way of just, I don't think they could keep up. And then when you're asking them to make the big thing happen to, to get a goal, it, w- it was always going to be difficult. For them. It, it really was. And 
I get to a point to where, okay, at least with some of these guys, they are still veteran, veteran talent, and they're playing with some of the top Costa Rica clubs. But at the same time, you would have to know when you're talking from a national standpoint, and that only gets you so far. So, yeah, you can have great talent for your top clubs, and some of them go on to even bigger places, playing in Mexico, some playing, you know, the odd one here and there in MLS. But you get to a point where it's like, okay, how can we, not to the level of everyone else, but how can we funnel the talent knowing that we are only going to have a handful of top clubs here at home to choose and then help them excel so that way they can also play elsewhere and keep improving things. I think that's a lot of questions, big questions the federations really got to ask them. Yeah, I wonder if maybe you would have done the inverse and you start a lot of the younger guys and then, or start, 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 I mean, all the old hats. And then you start bringing them off one by one to bring on some of the younger uh, talents to kind of give that team that oomph when you need it, when you know you need to go chase the goal or whatever. It was, it's just kind of a weird thing to see, you know, of like, yeah. oh man, this is this is who we're bringing on to be the saviors. And yeah, they got experience. They know what they're doing in that moment. But it, it, it really is. And it's a, one of those things to where even earlier on, in this cycle, that's something you could have easily started doing. So that way, it's like, okay, as these qualifying develops, even if we don't make it, we've got a younger team that we can gel together, let them build together for the next Gold Cup, these next nations, what have you, going forward. Yeah, certainly. But U.S. get the win, um, 2-1. Honestly, I felt like it shouldn't have been 2 I felt like there there could have been moments where you're talking about three one or more. Honestly, there was chances left on the table there if you're uh, the U.S. with all the attacking that you were doing. Uh, it really should have been uh, more. You know, you're having you know 64 percent possession. You got the five shots on goal, 12 shots total here. The corner kicks were much better in this instance. Yeah, I, this is one of those times where maybe go for it a little more at the end just to kind of put that away. They almost had that um, there close to the end. Like Tyler Adams gets one for like Lucio, and he, he's not able to to get it going on that. But yeah, you just you kind of want to see them be a bit more clinical when you have the opportunity. Yeah, those last couple attacks in the last ten minutes, it's more fluky in some ways, more creating chances kind of by accident wanted to kill the game rather than going ahead with cleaner passing, creating those chances on purpose, helping yeah. get those extra. Oh, no, certainly. That's uh, something you, you got to hopefully you can improve. But for playing one of the what's been considerably a harder teams to score on and then just one of the teams that doesn't score a lot or has not performed very well, uh, barring the El Salvador game last last go around, or well, they're the last game from this. You did what you needed to do. You beat the two teams that you're supposed to beat. You know, Panama was what it was. The the miscalculation by Greg Berhalter, and then also on the players, like we talked about last time. But overall, you got six points out of a possible nine. Eric, you didn't get the full nine, but you still got six. You're sitting in second. 
uh, thanks to some results that went your way. Uh, we're behind Mexico. You're three points behind Mexico, and you have Mexico coming up at home uh, now on November 12th, and then you go to Kingston, Jamaica to play Jamaica at home. Eric, I mean, how are you feeling about the team now? Six games in, you're sitting at 11 points with a good goal difference. How do you feel? I feel more comfortable. We said going in this window, the real floor was six, seven being again. We got that. Now with November coming up to where you only have the two matches to worry about, one big one. Yeah, we can look to ideally four points keeping pace, but for right now, nearing the halfway point of qualifying, I feel okay. Knowing that even though there's still opportunity to slip up naturally with eight matches left, but where we are, we're building up that cushion, knowing that it's still a close race, but it's like, okay, even if these minor things happen, it would have to happen a lot for us to be in any kind of danger. Yeah, I mean, certainly, I mean, you got one of the, you got your biggest rival coming up, uh, you know, in your next game, and that's very important. So that's something to look ahead on is you're coming back, you're coming out of a more positive performance going into that game, which is something that you obviously prefer when you're, when you're going into that. But I think for the most part, other than the falter with Panama and perhaps the, Points dropped with El Salvador in that first game, but you can chalk that up to deciding to continue with this young squad and not tilter and, and turn to experience and go with guys that perhaps you don't want really involved in this team anymore. You've continued with that line. I mean, this, the team that started today could have played in the Olympic. It was uh, 22 years and like some 200 days or something like that, the average age of the team. Which, when you're looking at, you know, what Costa Rica put out, it was well over 30 average age with your stars being in the 36 to almost 40 range. Goodness, you know. So now you're going up against, you know, the, the top tier, the top of the, the heap in Mexico, which hopefully Mexico will have all of their uh, talent available as will the U.S. by the time you get to that game. But. I'm ex- I'm excited about what this team has been able to do without having Christians, without having Giovanni Reina, with, you know, not relying on Zach Steffen, being able to use Matt Turner, who I feel like I, I feel much more comfortable being in goal than Steffen, honestly, from what we've seen. Uh, and, and continuing to improve the back line without having to rely on a John Brooks, who obviously, at least when it comes to Woka qualifying, just doesn't seem to be the same. Uh, every time we've seen him, he's, he's been like a step too slow or it, it's not the same John Burks that we've become accustomed, to, at least for Wolfsburg and, and, you know, in previous, uh, years. I mean, and I feel like for the most part, also you're starting to kind of come and figure out some of the midfielders that you want to, uh, as well, Eric. I mean, so with that being said, we're six games in now. You're playing your, the, the eternal rival, as as they would say, uh, when you know you're watching this game on on t- on uh, Univision or whatever, you're obviously going to start the best possible eleven that you possibly can. So for you, what is the U.S.'s best eleven? Oh, now this is tricky because I've got certain ideas about how I would definitely want to play formation wise. Right. Now going up top. My more 
ideal combination would probably, yeah, Arena and Pepe with Pulisic kind of in a right behind them. Because you have got Pepe, the tall, making sure you've got someone in the box causing all kinds of Pulisic, who I would ideally want. See, here's the tricky part for me, because in connecting, I would rather would have Musa more central, playing up towards Pulisic, kind of meaning everything is like a true number 10, and having mm-hmm. the two options up front. Man, you were really putting me on the spot, because I'm like, I'm sitting here visualizing everything right now as I'm talking. Well, you could go with the easy stuff and one, yeah. and then, then move up to the harder, whatever's harder for you to feel like, you know? Yeah, because uh, I know, and especially for the back, and this is going to be a bit weird, but after what we saw today, even though we have a setback four, I wouldn't necessarily want to go a back four, kind of more a back three, but with like a Destin Robinson sort of on the wing. Because I feel like with that kind of flow, that's going to be much more important. The more that you can get forward, the better that you can be on the counter, getting them off guard, the better. Because even though, like if this were at Azteca, I would say no. Be able to go ahead and scrap more away. But in a place like Columbus, okay. You're going to have that advantage. You're going to want that energy. Have it to where you can keep pushing like we did against Costa Rica. Because if even if we can cause this sort of confusion with a backup keeper, Memo can be just as vulnerable at times. So the harder we can make life for him, having to see more around and around, the better. Yeah, no, I I understand what you're saying. I just don't... I kind of feel like... Greg Berhalter and Tata Martino are kind of the same uh, in that they stick with their formation. They don't really change it too much. Um, obviously, this is going to be big, a big deal for, um, you know, the U.S. men's national team and for Greg Berhalter. I think he almost got to breathe a sigh of relief not to have Gio Reyna and Christian here because it's like he didn't have to feel the need to start them. Right? He didn't have to feel the need to okay, well, where do I play this guy? Where do I play this guy? And it's like, and it really brings up a lot of questions as to who do you leave out now if you're going to try to push some of these guys in. Now, I think you're still going to have uh, Gio Reyna and Pelosi's dealing with some of these injuries or Pelosi's is going to have a hard time getting into the team with all of the other players that he has to fight with now at Chelsea. And now, obviously, Gio Reyna is an automatic start with Dortmund pretty much whenever he's healthy, uh, especially with his relationship with Holland and everything. So that's something you have to think about. But it is nice to have a little bit of that depth at your Berhalter as well. So, But I feel like the back four is going to be the back four. I don't think he's going to try it too, too much. Um, changing, yeah, would, you, would I say a five, a back five is better, and you have Robinson and Despian would go forward, and you have your back three just kind of rely on? Sure, you could do that, right? Uh, but let's say we're gonna we're gonna go with the back four. Obviously, Robinson, Dest, those are your two uh, backs. You know, you don't change that unless somehow uh, Reggie Cannon is fit again and playing um, for I think Besiktas. Uh So, like, unless he's playing playing well, that's that's who your your two backs are. For me, the two, the best two pairing that you have right now is Miles Robinson and Walker Zimmerman. 
That's the two that I feel like you can rely on if you're looking at center backs for the U.S. National Team. Walker Zimmerman brings that leadership role. Um, he's been your captain. Um, he's been somebody that is vocal uh, with the back line, and you need that. Miles Robinson is also a leader, but a leader in a different way. He doesn't necessarily as vocal, but those two, I think, could provide a good center back pairing, and they're your most reliable uh, center backs. I think right now, I would leave John Brooks out until, yeah. until you're in a situation where he is not, until you know for sure he's in a good run of form. But if we're going on what we've seen in these six games and a little bit uh, behind that, I'm going with that. And Matt Turner, for me, is my goalkeeper. I just like what he's able to do. For me, shot-stopping is very important. I don't care about this whole, oh, I need you to... Now, granted, look, Zach Steffen is great with his legs, and he can play out the back if you want to do that, and that's great. But I'd much rather have uh, Matt Turner be able to stop shots, and you know, if he needs to throw the ball out or whatever, then cool. Yes, he's a little susceptible to his legs, but that's where you need to rely on your defenders. I don't need him coming out and making headers thirty yards away from the goal. That's just me. I don't. Yeah, I, that's if, just my style of goalkeeper. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, if I'm we're keeping that. with that back four, Turner absolutely fine. Even if you're going to like that back five, I would rather have Turner because there's even less pressure to kind of try to play out the back. Uh, yeah, certainly. And I think this is where things get tricky. Obviously, Tyler Adams is your rock in the center. He does not move from there. That is his spot. That is my guy that I can count on all the time. He better be there. and That's where he needs. Aside from that, I think this is where you really need to, if you're a great Berhalter, maybe you need to play with that three a little bit. And I think Musa, like you said, Eric, is he has earned himself an opportunity to be in this team as one of the ones that you have to think about. Man, where do I put him and where – I can't move him out because he is central to what you do as far as he's the one guy that links the front to the, you know, to Tyler Adams. And you can count on him to kind of be like, okay, when I need somebody to make a move in the midfield, he will. Do it. And allows Tyler Adams to kind of be in his spot. And he doesn't necessarily have to do that. The other thing is, is he going to be susceptible to, well, I have to play Western McKinney because he's a star, right? He's the one with the big name. He's playing at UVA. Oh, I have to play him. I would say maybe you don't, and you play someone else there. Uh, would do you move uh, Aronson down there uh, to to be more of in that midfield instead of Weston? Uh, depends on kind of what you want, but I almost would think about perhaps we have to think about putting Aronson there, and then I feel like your front three: Pulisic, Pepe, and I'll say Giorena on the other side. And for me, that's your for me that's uh, your best eleven right now. Now, if we're gonna say Gio Reyna is still injured, then Aronson goes on uh, that side uh, for me, and then you can have that same three that you've had with Wesley uh, Musa and uh, Adams, or even uh, put Weya up there um, as well, and and you can put Aronson uh, back there instead of McKinney. Uh, I do like that you have uh, those options. I mean, we still have Conrad De La Fuente, who, you know, he's, you know, very good when he is uh, on it, but he hasn't been uh, necessarily lately for Marseille. So we'll see how these things go. You still got a month of form and whatever else is going on for the team. Did you uh, think of... 
in anything with those, I would rather, because of McKinney's liability, I would rather have my front three, like you said, Reina Pulisic, Pepe, having them come in even in that three formation, and then have Aaron's instead of in with McKinney. Because at least with that, you can have Adams. If you want dropping back just a little bit, so like forming that three triangle, and then have the others push up, then they can go ahead and connect out wide. If So you have that more, geez, almost like football manager style, trying to figure out the dotted lines going yeah. all the way around. Well, that is kind of what you're doing here, you know, like you're, you're trying to figure that out. Um, How can I get all of my green lines? That's what I'm figuring out. All of my different connections and stuff, right? Yeah. How can I get all of my green lines to fit and work in in all of this? As if I'm uh, if I'm Grim Berhalter and just overall, if I'm at the U.S. Men's National Team. So let's uh, look at this here. Going around Concacaf, we talked about U.S. Mexico is up next for the U.S. Well, Mexico had to get through El Salvador in San Salvador and El Cuchlaxlan, and they did the job. Um, Hector Moreno getting the first goal, and then El Salvador goes down a man uh, off of, I don't know if that's a dog so, honestly. It looked like there was another man in front. The American referee, I think, was a bit too quick to give that red card. Of course, this is where VAR is important here. Um, you really could have used that. You could have used that in the U.S. game to really determine whether that was an offside or not. And then also you could have used that here in the Mexico game uh, to determine whether that should have been a red or not. But, you know, hey, that's CONCACAF. We can't do uh, VAR, apparently. But whatever. I'm not going to go down that well again. Either way, a stupid, stupid penalty by our stupid foul by Araujo uh, Nelson Araujo to, as a player's coming by, slap him in the face while he's running. At that point, why? Like, if there is one, if there's one rule that has ever been established is, si tu le das la pena máxima, if you get that red card, guess what the referee's gonna try to do for the rest of the freaking, he's gonna try to, there, he's looking for how can I even this up again? And if you give him an easy freaking reason to give you a red card, you're asking for Like, there was no reason whatsoever. The guy is not really going to go anywhere. He has another defender in front of him. You're on the right side of play. It's not like he's going right through the middle and he's going to be a problem for Memo Ochoa or whatever. Just why would you slap the guy in the face as he's maybe, running maybe by? Maybe he wanted – maybe he was trying to – in row. Pull out his inner Rick James. I don't know. I don't, I don't, but it's just stupid. It was the dumbest, one of the dumbest things I've, I've ever seen. Like, it was unnecessary, totally a red card because it was, there was no reason for it. It's like, good Lord. I mean, just embarrassing if you're Nelson Araujo, honestly. And it could have become a problem for Mexico because they were just lucky that El Salvador just could not be dangerous in the, the final third. Alex Rodon was tremendous in trying to connect. And when they were down a man, they were actually getting things going. And then the, the stupid penalty, ha the stupid foul happens by Araujo and gives El Salvador the gift of going 10 v 10. And then Mexico didn't get a lot of chances then, but it's just like El Salvador could not put two and two together at all. They either would knock the ball way too long 
or or they couldn't they'd get to a certain point and then Mexico would just stifle them. Uh, they couldn't connect when they get into the box. It was uh it was sad to see because you know you kind of wanted it for the El Salvador uh, fans to see them really be able to see if they can get that one one on Mexico. You know, and unfortunately, a really bad tackle trying to catch Raul Jimenez, who got away on a breakaway, and he decided to turn into the box. He earns him a penalty, gets it, makes it 2-0, no problem, Mexico wins. Um, and that's with Mexico rotating as well uh, in that game. They didn't start Raul Jimenez. They started Chucky, but they played um, Ale- um, Alexis Vega and uh, up front with uh, Funes Mori. So Mexico did what they had to do. They got the full nine points. I mean, you really can't fault them at all. Mexico did. It wasn't the prettiest game, but they definitely went and did what they had to do and got the win in a place that's always tough to play. And and that's good on them. They got the full nine points. They're leading the octagonal. And now they get to go up against uh United States. And we'll see. Greg Halter has had Tata's number lately. But this is uh the big one, you know. This is the big one if you're Tata and uh you if you have all your stars available, that's something the US has been able to escape for a while, is not have to deal with all the stars. We'll see uh what happens in, in that game. Canada absolutely pummeled Panama. They went down one nil actually, just like the US with Costa Rica in the fifth minute. Uh Blackburn scores. It all looks rosy, like Panama's going to come in here and do the same thing they did to the U.S. Well, not so fast, my friend, because Alfonso Davies is there for Canada, and boy, did he look amazing in this game, Eric. If there's, I don't want to hear anybody tell me that there's a better player in all the CONCACAF than Alfonso Davies. That dude is lightning. He touches the ball, and he has things happening constantly. Speed kills. It's not just it, it's very simple, it, but in the fact that he knows how to use it effectively, he's not just flying up and down and around. Exactly, the because Tayshawn Buchanan flies up, but a lot of times you'll see him miss, you'll see him hit the ball way over the net, whatever. Alfonso Davies, fantastic in scoring the goal, scoring the goal, and then also setting up David about like five different times. The dude couldn't get it into the net. He finally does eventually. And I and Tejon Buchanan also gets one heck of a header that he kind of intercepts from Alfonso Davies as well. Uh, so like all three of your major guys score for Canada. Uh, they made it a route. I mean, it, at home, that's all you could ask for. And and against one of the big teams in Concacaf, you go out there and do your thing at home. That's a, that's a big deal. And you put Panama back in their place after they're in the high that they were against the U.S. Uh, Canada firmly in third now on 10 points. And again, watch out. Watch out because if Canada can keep having everybody healthy, man, they are nobody you want to be messing with. Um, absolute uh, cracking game. And that's going on the counter because Panama had most of the possession and everything, but Canada was just lethal when it came to set pieces and, and just going on that counter. Uh, the very interesting game is Jamaica getting their first win and woke up qualifying, blanking Honduras 2-0. Uh, Kemar Roof getting in there, redirecting a shot, uh, early and then O'Neill Fisher, uh, with a heck of a finish to kind of put Honduras away 
and the fans just stormed out of San Pedro Sula early and giving everybody the the finger and everything. It was, uh, no joke, Eric. They shown on camera giving Mr. Cotto the finger, and guess what? He is now out as Honduras coach. He was before this game. Pretty much they already announced that the, this was going to be his last game uh, unless somehow he, you know, pulled out a big win against Jamaica, but let's... I would flowed. Yeah. I know all about it. The salt flowed. Yeah, it, and to be fair, the team showed up for him. Like, they had a lot of different set pieces. They just couldn't get it in. Alberto, uh, Albert Elise was La Pantera. He was back, dude. He was he was everywhere in this game. Uh, but, like, they just, it would it just wasn't happening. It's, you know, when you have that night where, like, just nothing was going to go in for him. And uh, they were just, I feel like they were just a bit unlucky on some of these. And then also, you know, having Andre Blake be your goalkeeper and making some fantastic saves, including an Elise header in like the 75th minute where he literally has to go back behind his head and grab one. Like Andre Blake was balling in, the, in this game as well. So, you know, Jamaica get the big win against Honduras that really, I think, saves Whitmore's job here. And puts them back in contention. Now they're at at five points. Now we're talking about, you know, it's possible you can make a little bit of a run here and do something now. And and, and that's that's all you can honestly do if you're Jamaica. I mean, you have to beat the teams that are at your level. I think that that game against Costa Rica, they were unlucky. They should have done more to get the three points. Canada, you got a draw with them. I mean, that's a big win. If you're coming up here for Jamaica, you have to go to El Salvador and get get at least a point. If not, get more, man. Because, I mean, yeah. Knowing that they've got the match against the U.S. up with that one, I would aim a lot more for settle for yeah. one if you can get it. But going in knowing, hey, we want anything to happen, really not even for the rest of November, but going forward, Let's get another win. Let's build off. This. Yeah, because you got the U.S. US. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you said, you got the U.S. coming in uh, on that second game. That's always going to be hard, even if you're at home. That's that's a difficult. Uh, you know how you play against. You. And then also, like, you have a tough schedule coming up. And then, you know, Panama has Honduras, which they always fight tooth and nail. But you would expect that. Panama's just going to keep delivering the hurt for Honduras. Who knows? Maybe the new coach is going to give them a little bit of a fire. Canada has Costa Rica. So some interesting, you know, games there. And then, you know, Canada also has Mexico. So Mexico has the two giants, the other two giants of CONCACAF right now, a back-to-back. So if you're Mexico, man, that that's a rough one, you know. Like, do you think the two points there for Mexico is a, is a win or – like, I mean, are you expecting four points? Uh, I The problem with that is if you're the U.S. and you're wanting to keep in line with Mexico, you got to win here. You got to win. You can't lose at home. No, you can't, especially knowing that in 2022, that trip to Azteca looms. For Mexico, the average person would see the way Canada in particular is playing as well as the U.S., Two yeah. points wouldn't be a bad one. But if you're looking at the average L Tree fan, they're going for at least. Yeah, you definitely can't lose both. No. 
if you're Mexico because uh, that's Tata Martino is going to be in the doghouse because these are your two rivals and you have to show that you're still the best. You're still the top in CONCACAF. So that's going to be um, a rough one if you're uh, if you're Mexico for sure to have these two back to back like that. So and and Salvador has to they miss a chance to really get it at a point that they really could have used. You know, you really have to go into this game if you're in Salvador because now you're at the bottom with five with Jamaica and uh, Costa Rica. You have to go and and aim for those uh, three points if you want to. Now, to be fair, you don't have to do a lot to keep up with Panama. That's If you're these guys at this point, you're really just trying to keep up. It's going to be hard to keep up with everybody, with the other three that are fighting for those automatic spots. But really what you're doing is trying to get into the and, and repechaje. You know, you're trying to get into the playoff. And you, you've you seriously got, you know, I would say right now, based on what things look like, you got four teams battling for that one spot. Um, Budas, I just, I don't have any faith in them. And that's just me. Like, I, I just don't, uh, I don't see that. Uh, Navy, at some point down the line, that's a thing. But we'll see what happens if they get the new coach. In there. I don't need to trust Eric. I mean, so for you, I think we know where, like, the top three spots are, how we feel about those teams, like. How do you feel about that playoff spot? Like, who do you think is it? Uh, Panama and everybody else? I I don't say it's just Panama and everybody else, but I'm still giving Panama that slight edge. I mean, great if it's any competition, I could see depending on how November goes and going into end of January, Jamaica could finally gel, start getting things together. And as we get towards those last games, February, March, they might be right in it with them. But I really see at this point, it's between those. Because as we've seen, Costa Rica, I'm sorry, they're just too flat out old. El Salvador, how are you to score goals? And Honduras, you can at this point, they got their coach out, throw November away, see where they are in January. And that will. I mean, if you're if you're on Dudas, whoever your coach is, you have two extremely important games, one at home and one in Costa Rica, that you have to get something out of. I feel like if you lose both of those, that's a huge, huge problem uh, because you're now sitting at the bottom, way at the bottom with three points. There's going to be a big gulf in front of you, especially if uh, Jamaica is able to beat El Salvador. Like, you're talking about a huge goal, you know, and it's like whoever that person is that gets brought in or if it's your interim manager, you got to get the spirits up of the team, especially against Panama at home. You've got to turn that into three points. You cannot lose again. Um, Costa Rica, going out of Costa Rica is never easy. Uh, but again, that's a Central, Central America, you know, big old rivalry. That's the way you got to turn it around. You got to win these, these games. I mean, and again, you're, this is who you're fighting to get into that epichaje, you know, mm-hmm. that, that playoff spot. Like, this is where you got to prove it. Um, so, but I honestly, I still have my eye on Jamaica. If like they can ever get Antonio and Leon Bailey and some of the defenders back healthy and, you know, wanting to play for Jamaica, I still say watch out. Like, especially in Salvador, Salvador has had major problems scoring, uh, barely, you know, like, I, if Jamaica can turn it on, man, watch out. Watch yeah. out. They have that ability. It's going to be between those two. They're the ones really fighting for that fourth spot. 
I I see it now. Uh, if you're Panama, you got to keep doing what you're doing to create distance and get wins. The Salvador loss was huge because they had the opportunity. Honestly, if Panama, if they would have beat us, they really had an opportunity to create like a complete division of your top four and everybody else, and everybody's just playing for chips. Like, but they let them back in. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what's what's going to happen in November. But and it's World Cup qualifying. You just never know. Concap is hard. It nothing's a given here. Um, so man, I I can't I can't wait to see what happens. Uh, it's going to be fun. But we got a whole month of club stuff and everything else to watch out for. Of course, there's some still some international stuff happening in in Europe and South America, whatever. But for Concap, that's it. You know, so uh, this is our last uh, World Cup uh, US Men's National Team show. And we'll be back on Sunday with our regular uh, Soccer to the Max, our headlines and our topics and everything else. And we have topics that maybe we need to we need to combine and we need to think about which ones they really want to cover because there's a lot. Yeah, uh, there was more stuff that even came down the pipeline today. Day, so yeah, it's I mean, never ending. even Infantino has now gone on the offensive and defended the biennial World Cup. Finally, has spoken after all these times of not speaking at all. So we got a lot uh, to think about, you know, and and decide uh, on that uh, Sunday show. And of course, we also got the club action coming back on uh, the weekend as well. So there's that to consider too. But another international break done for Concacaf and. November 12th will probably be here before we know it. If you've been enjoying these uh, looks at the Spence National Team and CONCACAF in general, of course, like I said, we do a regular show. It's on Sundays around 9 to 10 o'clock. And you can listen to the show on podcast form. So if you don't like watching our faces here on Twitch, YouTube, or uh, on Twitter or the Facebook page, uh, you can go subscribe on any podcast service that's available. And there's a little bit more editing that goes on there as well. So it kind of sounds nicer. And you can go like and subscribe and go write a review as well. Help us be found in more feeds. And of course, on YouTube, you can ring that bell uh, and you'll know whenever we do a show. Of course, it's not just us here. We're the whole W2M Network. So subscribe to the whole W2M Network. You get a little bit of everything. I do a video games podcast, video games to the max. Eric does kickoff, which is the NFL show. For the network and then we got mark riley's doing all the entertainment stuff uh you can imagine movies tv shows he keeps up to date so any movie tv show uh mma wrestling uh that he keeps up with the pay-per-views aew and wwe all that stuff so anything in that and those realms that you're interested in we got that covered as well and of course also got the anime with talk to keiki so we got a little bit of everything there for you so definitely make sure uh, you go and check out the network. And well, um, until, uh, until next time, thank, thank you last word on soccer. Go visit w2net.com and we'll see y'all later, everybody. Peace.